It's the 6th of February, 2016, and this is episode 281. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Cryptocurrency is new, exciting, and empowering, but we're not experts, just obsessed companions walking the road towards a more peer-to-peer future. On today's show... I just splashed one of the buckets, uh, and so it was the sound of water being controlled by Bitcoin. Stephanie sits down with Dale, one of the minds behind YouControl.tv, to talk digital currency and real-world automation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Let's Talk Bitcoin. Stephanie here, and I'm with Dale Malone. And Dale is from a company called YouControl.tv that's doing something really cool that I wanted to talk about on the show. I guess you just heard that clip of what does Bitcoin sound like? And you're probably wondering, what is this thing? So Dale, welcome to Let's Talk Bitcoin. First of all, thanks for joining me. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for having me on the show. So tell me about what you're doing with YouControl.tv. In its simplest terms, what we're doing is we are using Bitcoin to control real world devices. You can send very small amounts of Bitcoin to what we've got set up at YouControl.tv is a live video feed showing three buckets that happen to be in my backyard. And uh, you, can, <laughs> you can send any amount of Bitcoin to each of those three QR codes on the screen, and the corresponding bucket will dump. And the more Bitcoin you send, the more water will fill up the bucket. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's, it's kind of unfortunate that we're on podcast, because if you go to the website and you just look at the preview video, or just try it yourself, you can do it with as little as I think one millibit to make the bucket stump. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, I mean, just try it for yourself. And it's actually really cool because you're having the opportunity to control what these devices do in real time by sending little Bitcoin micropayments. Exactly. What's really fascinating to me is you can use Bitcoin as an on-off switch. It's the first time really money or, or value has been used in little tiny amounts to actually turn a device on and off. Um, I think it's really the first time in history. I mean, think if you were trying to do this, what we're doing here with a credit card through the traditional, (laughs) (laughs) you'd have to log in, do all the verification, your three-digit code and so forth. And then, oops, sorry, we don't take uh, less than 50 cents. We are probably not even less than a dollar, right? The the exchange, you know, the, the cost just to send USD would be too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is really like it, I, what you're doing with the buckets is kind of a proof of concept, right? It's just like a simple example that people can participate in and watch and they're like, oh, hey, that's cool. But this is really the beginning of the vision that everybody talks about where there's cars, self-driving cars, swapping lanes on the road and paying each other little pieces of Bitcoin to pass each other and like complex operations like that. Uh, where whole cities are controlled by these little switches and, uh, you know, lights go on and off and things happen and factories produce widgets and (laughs) and things like that. And machines are paying each other to do like these robotic actions. I mean, there's really unlimited possibilities of what you could do, but you're starting with the most basic uh, kind of example of that that people can see. Exactly. We're just starting with a, a simple proof of concept to show that microtransactions are possible to control real-world devices. And then where that leads us is to, to develop other channels that kind of elaborate on this concept. 
We have two channels that are in the works right now. One where you can actually, we're going to be feeding animals at like a zoo, and you'll be able to use micropayments to actually feed animals. And we have another uh, channel that we're developing where it's more of a a first-person shooter of a paintball gun, and you'll again, same concept, be able to control the paintball gun and use um, micro payments to buy individual paintballs. Now, that was what got me really excited about this because I want to feed the panda. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I'm sure everybody would have their own little thing that they really like to do. So, okay, I have all kinds of questions about this, but first of all, you said these buckets are in your backyard. So do you see people all day just kind of playing this game and tipping over the buckets? <laughs> Are you able to watch it? I, I am. Occasionally, I'll be in the backyard mowing the grass or doing something in the back there. And uh, yes, all of a sudden, buckets will go off. So right now, you know, I haven't done a lot to promote it. I've done a few things on Reddit, Twitter, not a whole lot of uh, official promotion with the site. Um, and we're getting about, I'd say, 15 donations a day. The average transaction is $0.84. Cents. So as you see there, we've got the first two buckets. The first one is the water project that supports uh, building water wells in Africa. And then the second one is uh, Sean's outpost. And the third bucket, when you send Bitcoin there, that helps me pay my water bill. So that's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Is there ever anyone sitting underneath the buckets? Can you dunk somebody? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you ask that. Um, so we have had, was it two weeks ago, the the presidential debate, the Republican debate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm part of a local Bitcoin group here in Austin, and they came up with a really clever idea to say, well, let's dress somebody up in Donald Trump as Donald Trump, put him under the bucket, and anybody in the around the world can, if they don't like what <laughs> Donald's saying during the debates, they can dunk him. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we did just that. Um, I sat under the buckets for a period of time. <laughs> and it, unfortunately, it was a really cold night. So Oh. We all took turns uh, getting wet and dunked. But it was really fascinating, Stephanie, that we also had um, Periscope and Meerkat streaming this as mm-hmm. well. And so we had three different things. We had our website going. We had Periscope, Meerkat. So everybody around the world could watch it. One guy sticks out in particular. His name was Abdullah, and he was from uh, Palestine. And he jumped on the Meerkat channel, and he's like, what is this? Why are, what is Donald Trump doing under buckets? And we explained, you know, it's a, it's a proof of concept to show anybody in the world with a small amount of Bitcoin can dunk Donald Trump. And he said, fascinating. So he sent five cents worth of uh, Bitcoin and dunked Donald, and he just thought it was the greatest thing. He ended up doing it like 15 times, spending $25. <laughs> and he was just, it, but that was just one example. We had so many people from all over, all over the world, um, engaged in my backyard dunking Donald Trump. And uh, yes, Abdullah would not have been able to do that with PayPal or a credit card. Um. Exactly. Yeah. And the fact that he could do it almost instantly, there's about a three second delay from the time you send Bitcoin to the time you actually see the water dispense. There's about a three second delay. And most of that delay, surprisingly, is in our video, the, the video relay. Bitcoin as far as watching the Bitcoin address and then controlling that on this microcontroller, that actually happens in less than a second, which is still amazing to me. Now, we are, we are also using small payments, so I'm not, we're not basing it on so many confirmations. It's really just looking at the payment as long as it comes in. Because there are small payments, we're not too worried about a large payment of fraud or anything like that. You said that this is the first time that um, money has been used as an on-off switch, but 
I have heard of some other applications for this, like there was the BitSwitch. We talked to uh, Morgan Rockwell on the show a little while ago from Bitcoin Kinetics, and he's got a switch that, you know, can be controlled with Bitcoin payments. And I've seen others too, like, you know, bending machines, washing machines. I don't know if it's a, you know, a completely new idea, but you're certainly using it in a new way with adding the video dimension to it, where you're controlling remote devices, uh, not something that's located necessarily right in front of you. You're correct. In fact, I got a lot of inspiration from Morgan's talk on Let's Talk Bitcoin. And there was another mm. person that was using uh, Bitcoin to dispense fuel. I think he was building a fuel pump. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember. I forget that person's name. But um, so kind of drawing on those two experiences. And then the only thing we added that was different exactly was I think having that live video feed to confirm that when I send money, it does something and I can see that confirmation. Just closing that loop, I think, is a really more tangible way for people to see the interaction. It opens it up so that the, the device that you're con controlling can be located anywhere, as opposed to just a bricks and mortar thing sort of right in front of you. That's right. We could mount this at your office if you'd like, or um, Andreas Antonopoulos, he had, a, he had a suggestion that we put these buckets at the next developers conference, and <laughs> if they have a debate on the blockchain and they can't solve the blockchain, size debate, then uh, they'll just dunk the developers. So, I mean, that brings up a, a, a point too, like with the dunking Donald Trump and dunking developers that you don't like or whatever. <laughs> it, it can become an act of political speech. You know, it's not just, oh, this is fun. Let's tip this bucket over or let's feed the panda. It can be that, but it can also be something where <laughs> Abdullah in Pakistan, like you said, can <laughs> express that he doesn't like Donald Trump. Exactly. I, there's gonna, I think there'll be so many amazing uses of Bitcoin and these microtransactions for maybe polling, you know, polling an audience. Think about like right now, you know, you can tweet out, uh, they'll take uh, Twitter polls, but Twitter costs nothing. So you can, you know, you can mass flood somebody and skew the results. But when you put a small amount of value behind it, when you have to vote with something, that I believe will increase your accuracy of your polls tremendously. There might be some arguments that, well, the people that have more money can sway the vote. But at the end of the day, it still costs money to cast your vote. And I think you're, you're going to get more true representations of audience participation, maybe. Um, we've had mm -hmm. ideas of may maybe this could be used for the lineup at a concert. So the band gets there, they're setting up. <laughs> Meanwhile, the audience is sending Bitcoins to one of 10 Bitcoin addresses and to, to express, we want this song played first. So that's one way of voting using microtransactions. Yeah, yeah. So are you concerned about spam attacks, which happen periodically on the Bitcoin network, where somebody will send out a bunch of like unconfirmed transactions? Or do you think that like you're setting the values too high to kind of prevent that? Or what's your thoughts? That's a great question. Um, I have two developers on our team, and I, I, I'd have to ask them about that. We haven't how a spam attack would work. I guess it would flood my backyard if they were, you know... <laughs> Right. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> exactly. But um, that's a good question. I guess it's, it's kind of the same question that anybody's taking small amounts of transactions would encounter as well, a coffee shop or, you know, anybody taking uh, small transactions. Um, well, I don't, a coffee shop wouldn't because there's a human element in there. Like if, if an address gets Bitcoin and there's a person in front of them sending the Bitcoin, they know, okay, I'll give you my cup of coffee. But if it's a spammer that sends out a bunch of unconfirmed transactions to every address that's on the blockchain so far, 
and a payment comes into that address and there's no customer there, the barista knows not to make a cup of coffee. I see. But for your for your equipment, it happens automatically. So you're right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's a good um, a good point we haven't thought about. Um, you know, still in the proof of concept. So that's definitely something we should look at. It's interesting. So that brings up another question that I had about this whole concept is micropayments. There's a lot of talk about that lately. And there's a lot of talk about the block size. You know, I I don't know if you followed that debate much. We've talked about it a lot on the show. Mm -hmm. But some people are just like, yeah, you know, microtransactions are not really meant to happen on the Bitcoin blockchain. They're really more for like off the blockchain to be sort of settled up later. It really doesn't uh, contribute because you end up paying um, almost as much in fees as you're sending with the microtransaction. And it contributes to taking up space in these blocks and in the blockchain. So what do you think about all that? Would you ever do this sort of off the blockchain? Or do you have any thoughts on the whole block size debate and how it relates to micropayments? That's a really good question. I, I think, you know, it is evolving and there's all kinds of new things on the horizon to address the that issue. Um, you know, the the Lightning Network is supposed to not only make transactions faster, but allow smaller microtransactions. Someone has suggested to us that we should maybe look at using the, the Next Network for our transactions. Oh, you mean NXT? NXT, I'm sorry, yes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They have a... No, I mean, <laughs> you can pronounce it either way. I don't know how to pronounce yeah. it really either, but just wanted to be clear, that's, a, that's an altcoin, basically. Yeah, there's, um, there's a person here in Austin, he's, he's actually contacted us several times that he would like to do the same concept on the NXT network. Um, they have a lower transaction cost than Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and it's faster as well. So, you know, one goal that we're looking at is we want this to be almost instantaneous where, where when you send that microtransaction, you actually get a response versus the, the three seconds delay that we have right now. Um, mm-hmm. So we've been looking at different video sources. There's some things you can do with a Raspberry Pi and a, a video module on that that you can get really low latency um, where it's a really quick response time for live video. And we're also looking at NXT as well to try and get that confirmation latency down as well as the the transaction cost. I understand the block size debate, and I guess I don't have any great insight into, you know, where uh, microtransactions fit. To me, they work right now with people sending 50 cents and 80 cents. I think the the cost is uh, pretty minimal for Bitcoin, so I, I, I think it works. You know, why do Bitcoin? Is it, did you just start off with that because it's simple or why not like create your own token or use another altcoin or something like that? Why did you see Bitcoin as the best fit? That, that is a great question. In fact, I did create on the LTB network, you know, you can create your own asset using a counterparty. And I did create mm-hmm. a, a token called you control token. And, I, and we had considered going down that path. But at the end of the day, I thought, one, I love Bitcoin. I've loved it ever since, uh, you know, in fact, I've learned about it through the LTB network um, from y'all on your podcast, um, you and Adam mm. Andreas in the early days. And um, I, I felt, why add another layer of friction? If people already have Bitcoin, it's sitting on their phone, they can simply aim it at this website and control something versus now I've got a token, they've got to go get it, they've got to download a different wallet to control that token. Mm. I, I just... I just like the frictionless nature of Bitcoin, and I wanted to keep this experiment as simple and as quick for people to try out as possible. I hear that. I mean, I, I admit, even with myself, 
I'm <laughs> I'm fairly experienced as a Bitcoin user, but when I have to get other tokens or when I have to exchange something Bitcoin for something else, I'm like, oh, forget it, you know. <laughs> so I actually like the fact that you did choose to use Bitcoin. I just wonder if you know maybe maybe it could be faster with something else, or maybe that it could be a little less frictionless in the long run. Um, with something else, but I'm sure you can adjust as time goes on. That's kind of the beauty of your model. Exactly. I mean, we'll kind of let the market tell us what they want to do in building out these new channels. One, one thing that we also have done when we interact with it, what I'm using now is um, Adam's, uh, I believe it's called Pockets, Tokenly Pockets. Yeah. Do you, mm-hmm. Have you used that before? His, he, he's got the browser extension that he created. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it works great. In fact, um, you know, uh, we were testing the buckets this morning with some stuff and uh, we were using Tokenly Pockets. It's the fastest way to stay on page and, and send Bitcoin, I think. So you don't have to toggle between tabs or get out my mm-hmm. phone. So. Hey folks, Adam B. Levine here. No sponsor today, but the magic word is bucket. That's B-U-C-K-E-T. You can head to letstalkbitcoin.com or the Let's Talk Bitcoin iOS app to enter it for your share of the listener rewards. I've got two quick comments about the interview that we're currently enjoying, and then we'll get back into it. First, very much thanks for the kind words about Pockets, but I wanted to mention that community developer Joe Looney is the muscle behind that project and should get the credit. Secondly, I wanted to take the opportunity to correct a very common misconception about whether you should choose to use Bitcoin or tokens in your project. Dale and Stephanie correctly identified that more people have Bitcoin than any token out there, so of course you should always accept Bitcoin. The thing is, it's not a choice between the two. It's an accept-all-you-want scenario. So in addition to accepting Bitcoin, the buckets could also be triggered at the same addresses buy a bucket dump token, or as many tokens as youcontrol.tv or the individual person creating the stream choose to allow. For the bucket dump token, you might have a better price when purchased in multi-dump packs, or you might cause the bucket to fill up more when paying them with just Bitcoin. While the token isn't useful to the person who just wants to use the service once, repeat users can be given a lot of reasons to use it. And the advantage to the platform is they get paid up front for future use from their users. In addition, while fans of the bucket dumping game can tell their friends about it, they can't give them one free dunk by sending them Bitcoin, but they can with a redeemable token. Dunks can't be purchased at wholesale rates if they're being sold only for Bitcoin at spot, and they can't be resold to future customers who then would go to the bucket dump game in order to use it. So the question isn't should I pick Bitcoin or should I pick a token, it's what kind of token should I use to empower my users to become advocates, evangelists, and a distributed sales staff for whatever it is that my tokens represent. If you think a token might be useful in your project or business, contact adam at tokenly.com for a free consultation. Thanks very much for your time. Let's rejoin the conversation now. You know, going back to the altcoin discussion or why Bitcoin, this seems like an application for Ethereum potentially, like where you could do more complicated kind of smart contracts and control devices in real time and then have a video feed of it, maybe even stream the video through something like Streamium or something like that. 
did you just kind of want to get going on it now and not wait for the development to sort of catch up with those things and start with Bitcoin? Very. You thought about using Ethereum? I, we have. Um, in fact, there's a company in Germany. Are you familiar with Slock uh, or Slock.io? No. <laughs> it's a smart lock that's using Ethereum. It's similar to what mm. we're doing here. They're controlling real-world devices with uh, Bitcoin. However, they are using Ethereum though, so that they can add more logic behind. If person sends Bitcoin, wait 10 minutes, then unlock lock, and so forth. We're still early in our development that I haven't thought about using, wanting to use Ethereum yet to add logic. We're kind of at a crossroads, and, and I would love to have um, your viewers give me any comments after the show. There's two ways that we see we could proceed with this. One is um, we can continue to build out channels, feed the panda, paintball gun, <laughs> so forth. And uh, mm -hmm. that would be interesting, and, I, and, I, and we plan to do that just to keep showing how far this can evolve. The second way that this company could go would be that we create the hardware in a nice, simple package so that anybody can do this and hook up their device and plug in their device and then have people control it. That's the two directions we're thinking is, do we build more channels or do we become a hardware company that enables other people to build channels? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. And so you're really open to going either direction on that? We are. We're, we're so early in this, our startup. I mean, uh, this, we just started a month and a half ago, um, roughly two, um, two months ago is when we officially mm -hmm. launched. And uh, so I, I see pros and cons to both. Um, you know, I, I like technologies that enable other people to do things. I think that's, that's where the value is. And I think that's, that's exciting for me is creating something that other people can use to build even more impressive things. So Mm -hmm. I'm leaning towards creating a small package. <laughs> Think of it as a black box. You buy this black box and you can plug in whatever products you'd like. And then you get you know, uh, three to four QR codes that can control those devices. And how you, right. how you configure it, whether you tie that black box into Ethereum or tie that black box into your own game or something you've built would be up to the community. Or into Bitcoin, yeah. Exactly. Tell me your craziest ideas for channels that you would do. I mean, I, actually, my mind went to all kinds of stuff like choose your own adventure kind of novels and games, like even with live actors and things like that. Maybe that would be pretty complicated and expensive, but you could certainly do a movie where you could choose like a couple of different endings or something like that, right? Absolutely. I mean, can you imagine controlling the, the movie depending on which way you want it to end? Um, yeah. Uh, that That's one. I think the... the Feeding of animals or the controlling of, of these things remote from us has a lot of potential. You know, it's funny that you say that, like the feeding of animals and, and control, like an animal is something you can't control, right? You can give it food, right. but it doesn't have to eat the food. <laughs> and there's some things like that. There's some things that are just nature, like you, you can't control. What about the things that you, you can't control? You're focusing on like kind of machines and stuff, but... Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, well, what are things that we can't control now that maybe we want to control? Um, mm -hmm. They can or can't be. The polling and the voting has some interesting applications for for like a music venue or just like polling Donald Trump. You know, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, controlling things like that. Well, that's interesting too that you mentioned that because I think politics is a total sham. <laughs> 
But, you know, every year there's these debates and there, there, there's a lot of like polling that's done by text message, you know, where you can send a text to some number that like the major network gives you. Right. And I, I remember back before 2008, at that time I was interested in Ron Paul. And he was in the Republican debates and there were people voting for like who was the winner of these debates by text message. Right. And Ron Paul won like one poll. And then like it, everyone was accusing the networks of saying like, oh, that can't happen. <laughs> and so like the next poll, they, they like he didn't win it. And they were saying, oh, well, people voted by text message, you know, and it's true. But you have to trust them. And with Bitcoin, you don't have to trust because you can see there's an auditable spreadsheet on the blockchain of how much Bitcoin got sent to which address. And you can, you know, see how big the transactions were when they came in and a lot of other information that you just don't have when you have to trust a, a pollster. So in a way, it could really decentralize polling. It's exactly. You could decentralize polling and trust it and open the transparency up. And by the way, I was a big uh, Ron Paul uh, supporter as well. I love Ron Paul. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, look how that worked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was about the point where I completely got out of politics. <laughs> <laughs> polling, what a great opportunity to add transparency. I, I think Augur is going to also, you know, in the prediction markets, which is somewhat of a form of polling. Augur's doing some amazing stuff and will, I think, you know, <laughs> open everybody's eyes to what can happen with Bitcoin when you kind of mm. bet. I guess there it's more a form of betting against an outcome versus a asking people their opinion. Well, no, no, I guess it's kind of the same. It's similar. I have to think about that. <laughs> if something like Augur were to interface with what you're doing with your project, which it almost seems like you're calling it youcontrol.tv, but it almost seems like what you're describing with putting together a software package or something or a hardware and software package where people could create their own things and you would just supply sort of the, the means for them to do it. Maybe it should be called something else because it's more than just like a TV channel. It lets you observe, observe and control remote events. And so if something like that were to interface with Augur, you could see the results of a prediction being revealed or playing out. I mean, there's like almost unlimited things you can do with it if it connects to all these other systems. You're right. Uh, maybe uh, our name is not apt to what, exactly what we're trying to accomplish, but I, I think... It is for the TV part, but I mean, yeah, with the software packages and hardware packages, it could be much more. It could. And, and I think when you open, open things up to... Um, you know, now this this whole maker movement is really, you know, gaining so much momentum or it's already <laughs> already in full mm -hmm. bloom. I have a friend, he's the general manager at Tech Shop. I don't know if you're familiar with Tech Shop. Nope, haven't heard of it. There are 10 locations across the US. Basically, they're a they're a big warehouse with all this these pieces of equipment in there, water jet cutters, laser cutters, maker bots, mm -hmm. all that cool stuff, and you pay a monthly membership to go there and you can use any piece of equipment um, that you'd like. So the maker community has really embraced these places where they can go and build all kinds of cool things. Well, anyway, he, he has seen what we're doing with YouControl.tv. And what he's excited about is these people go and build all these amazing devices, contraptions, whatever they're building. They really are looking for a way to also share that with the world and show what they've built. And so I'm hoping to plug into the maker community and say, okay, here is a device here's a video channel that, that'll allow you to show off what creative thing you've built, whether it be a robot or a, a automatic feeder or 
Ah, and let people try it from far away. Exactly. And then they get feedback. The monetary movement is kind of an endorsement of, yes, we like your idea, keep developing it, it, or no, it's, you know, maybe develop in this different direction. What is your crazy vision of the future, like, that people are going to be doing with the technology that you're working on now? Like, what's the weirdest thing you can think of? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess I've been so focused on the uh, the immediate um, concerns right uh-huh. now. I haven't I haven't let my mind go to the the far extremes. But I think um, you know everything's on mobile. So naturally, our our device our, our channel right now only works on desktop. It's a limitation of the way we're using the video. Ultimately, we'd we'd like to go to to mobile. The ultimate dream is for anybody on their mobile device to control something anywhere in the world using Bitcoin and see that reaction in real time. I, I, what those experiences are, I, I have no idea. I mean, I, I think um, the creativity of other people will develop it that are more creative than me. Um, I just hope I can create the platform for them to design what they want and showcase that to the world. Describe when you came up with the idea. Like you, you weren't thinking like, oh yeah, we're going to have this choose your own adventure world where I can go to China and actually feed a real panda and see it on my phone and that, that kind of thing. Uh, like, or were you just thinking more abstract, like, wow, there's a lot of cool things I can do with this. You, you know what I was thinking? Uh, I, you remember the ice bucket challenge when that was the big fad? Yes. Okay. With ALS. Exactly. Thing? exactly. I, I was mm-hmm. really fascinated in that and how that kind of ground swelled up and, and did a lot of good and, and supported things. And then I've also had in the back of my mind, what other things can Bitcoin be used for other than just as a monetary tool? Can it, can it actually mm-hmm. control things? And I think being influenced by uh, Morgan Rockwell and what he was doing, and I'm sorry, I forgot that other person that had the fuel, bit fuel or whatever that was called. The name escaping them is Andy Schroeder and the Bitcoin Fluid Dispenser. Um, yeah, the pump. Yeah, 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 the pump idea, which I thought was the, both of those are really brilliant. So um, I think just merging those two together and saying, how could we get the world to do a, a an ice bucket challenge? You know, um, mm. and how could we do it in real time? And then how could we do it with small amounts of payments? I don't know. All those thoughts just hit me one day, and um, I said, let's let's just build it. And <laughs> well, we didn't do the ice buckets, but we're using the water. <laughs> Like I said, we're, we're still in our early stages of where we're going with this. And uh, I, I kind of see it two ways of, of building out hardware that will allow people to build channels like this. And then the second part of our journey is, is building a few more channels to prove that they can be monetized and engaging for the end user. Do you ever have any concerns about a world where everything is so automated, like like we were talking about before with the spam attack, making a cup of coffee. A barista knows, okay, if I get a spam transaction to this Bitcoin address, I'm not going to make a cup of coffee. But your backyard, the buckets, if there, <laughs> if there is a spam attack, they automatically fill up and tip over, even if there's no one underneath them. And, and no one's sort of uh, uh, watching it and adding that human element of discretion to it. Are you concerned about a world that has things like that? Door locks opening automatically at a specific time and there's nothing you can kind of do to change it. Um, perhaps the potential for someone else like a hacker or, or even the police or somebody else like that to shut off your water at your house if it's controlled by a switch uh, like this with smart contracts, IBM <laughs> creating this Internet of Things. 
the possibilities can get really op- optimistic and inspiring and cool, but but also dystopian. Yes. So, I mean, do you do you have any concerns? Like, what kind of world do you? <laughs> well, how much humanity do you want, or human control over devices and things like that? Do you want in the future world? Right. I think with every new technology, there's always the ability for people to do good, and there's the ability for people to do bad. Right now, you know, Bitcoin is unfortunately getting under the news again about the terror attacks in Paris and that the attackers or ISIS are using Bitcoin to fund their terrorism, right? Oh, come on. <laughs> and it, it, of course, cash never worked either, right? I'm sure, I'm sure never yeah. US dollars have never been used for any terrorist attack. So, you know, it's the same with any technology. There's always good. There's always going to be bad that, uh, uses for it. What I'm excited and why I, I feel positive and co- confident about the future is that we're moving more to a peer-to-peer control. So the lock I was talking about, it bypasses Airbnb completely. I'm allowing your lock at your house or your you know, apartment to open, and it's just a transaction between me and you. So the future to me is looking brighter because we're moving away from, I need that central control to... It's me and you transacting versus going through a central authority. I think that that is the greatest future we could have is where we <laughs> transact cool. directly with each other. You can always feed the panda with Bitcoin, but you can't make the panda eat, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or he could throw the, uh, throw the bananas or the eucalyptus leaves right back at you if he doesn't want to. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Dale. Where do people find you online um, and anything else you want to leave the audience with before we go? Feel free to check us out at uh, www.ucontrol.tv and it's the letter U and they can reach me directly at dmalone at ucontrol.tv if anybody has any questions. Uh, really, You're looking for feedback, right? You want like people to tell you, you know, what channels they want to see or what direction or if they're interested in the kind of the software aspect or the hardware aspect? Absolutely. Anybody that has a, an idea uh, for a future channel that they would like to create or they would like to see us create, we're in that formative stage right right now and uh, would love to, to hear any um, suggestions there. And I am looking also actively for one or t- possibly two developers that are familiar with um, Ruby on Rails and uh, Python. So if there's anybody out there with those skills, I would love to talk to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Bitcoin. Content for today's show was provided by Stephanie and Dale. This episode was edited by Adam B. Levine and featured music by Jared Rubens and mindtomatter.org. Email adam at letstalkbitcoin.com with any questions or comments. Talk to you next week.